well, according to you, it doesn't, you don't know that it's ever done. Now, today, you're saying, well, now the line is moved. And so if there's a disease in your body, the testimony is meant to go say, you know what, the line is moved. Because somebody might have told you that, that, you know, you can't get it this way. Somebody told you that just doesn't happen. Somebody says there's no hope for you. Somebody says, you know, that doesn't matter. All that they're telling you is, as far as I'm concerned, it's never worked this way before. That does not mean it's not going to work that way tomorrow. When you see the miracles, when you see situations like this, which are replete in people's lives, why we try to tell you them over and over and over again, even for myself to hear them. Because what's happening is it's breaking the boundaries of where I used to think I was limited in my life. The only way to get from here to Toronto was on the QEW. That's not true. That might be the easiest. Well, it's really not even that anymore, but let's, let's just go with it. There's a thousand ways to get from here to Toronto. When we think there's only one way, if, there's a, if, the, if they shut down the QEW, I, I can't go to work today. No, you can if you work in Toronto. You just have to find another way. At first, you have to do is you have to believe to get out of bed. Because if you think there's no other way, then you want to get out of bed. You won't even start. And this is where we have, in our culture, as we talked last time I was here, when we, when we live in a world that has been dominated by the academic realities of logic and science and math, they treat things as though they are, they are hard and fast, empirical, inevitable, incontrovertible truths, even though the stuff that they told you 50 years ago that was absolutely true in an inconvertible, it, 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 there's no possible way that it could be false. We now know it's false. The, nobody stands up in there because of the arrogance and the pride and, the, and all that that goes with that world. Nobody stands up and goes, hey, you know what? Last time I talked, I was absolutely wrong. They don't do that. They just go, hey, this is what we know now. The problem is, is that those of us who have sat as students with them, who have sat in their classrooms, who have sat under their textbooks, who have sat under their, their authority in that sense, have said, well, if one plus one is two and only two, then I don't know what you guys talk about this tithing stuff, but 100 minus 10 is 90. That's what we think. Mm -hmm. It's only 90. What do you mean it's 400? It can't possibly be 400. It's 90. Here, let me get my phone. Where's my phone? A hundred minus not ten is ninety. Yeah. And we're blocked, and you could talk all you want, and talk all you want, talk all you want about how this works, and you say, no, 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 it's ninety. And so the, I just, it's just okay with me because I can learn to live on ninety. And we just stay there, mm -hmm. instead of realizing what's the boundary in my head is this mathematical equation that says if you give something away, you have less. Now, we grew up, they taught you logic and math and science when you were in your formative years of believing the, the nature of the world around you. Now what we have to do, it's what Abraham had to do in Romans chapter 4, when God came to him in Genesis and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Dude was 75 at that time. And so he had not been able to have kids when he was in the predisposition to have them. Now he's 75 years old, and it's like, you know, hey, Sarah, let's, uh, let's have another go at this. And it didn't work. Even then it didn't work. It had 25 years before it worked. And so he had got to be 100 years old. 
Now he knew, like you knew, there's certain laws, that's what he thought, certain laws that govern having babies and you can do it when you're 18, you can't do it when you're 418. And so that was a boundary that he thought was true and he, and he was challenged by it, hugely challenged by it. His soul just would not let him get beyond that line. How's that gonna happen? What are you talking about? You see, what happens is in this natural world, this natural world is very different than the spiritual world. The natural world is made up of space, time, and matter. Those space, time, and matter issues create boundaries for us. Abraham's problem was a time problem. And so he knew as he was getting older and older and older, his physical abilities were going to get lesser and lesser and lesser. That's what he thought anyways. You see, when you have a, a, a matter problem and Jesus is sitting there with 20,000 people in the congregation and they say, where's lunch? That's a matter problem. They need food. When Jesus, when God says, you know, I know you're sitting over here in Capernaum right now, but you need to go to the Gadarenes. The Gadarenes is directly across the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And he says, I want you to go there. And he looks around, there's no boats. That's a space problem. The problem is, is we think because of our science world that space, time, and matter are masters of us. We don't tell space, time, and matter what to do. We don't say lunch come and lunch comes. We go to work and we get money and then we go scratch in the dirt to find lunch and then we eat lunch. Lunch don't come. If you have a space problem, if you know you need to go to from here to the gatherings, which might as well have been to Tokyo in our world, you can't get there from here. There's no boats. And so that wasn't a problem for Jesus. You just walked. When you had 20,000 people over the Sea of, you understand where I'm going, I'm sorry, do you know where, the, do you know where Capernaum and the Gadarenes are? One's, they're on either side of the Sea of Galilee. It, it, Okay, he walked on water. Sorry, am I, are we new? Do we need to start in the beginning? You see, the problem is when we look at all of those stories, all of those stories, the boundaries are being created by our perception of the world around us as being master over us. When you know that that's not true, the Bible tells you that this world was created and then you were given not only dominion over it, but the ability to take dominion over it. That means you are the master of your world. You are telling your world what to do. The problem is, is if you think your world is telling you what to do, then you're just sitting around not doing anything. That's right. And that's where the problem comes. And that's why our world now, which has been arrogantly run, and I'm a science, math, and logic guy, if you know me. My biggest struggle has been to understand that those things are not hard and fast. That's been my biggest, ask my wife. Biggest struggle, overwhelmingly. Because Tina used to just be able to believe. I said, I got a thousand reasons why I know you're wrong. I know it ain't gonna happen. I could tell you physically why it ain't gonna happen, mathematically why it ain't gonna happen, logically why it ain't gonna happen, experientially why it ain't gonna happen. That's our problem. That's not because you're smart or because you're a realist, it's because you're in bondage. Because you feel like the world is hard and fast around you when we found out there's nothing hard and fast about the world around us, nothing. 
Even this table, which feels hard and fast to me, is 99% energy. 1% matter. It's not even real. <laughs> but if I hit you over the head with it, that you'd argue with me. But <laughs> the problem is perception. We have to change our perception of the world around us. We're never going to become masters of our world. God intended that we would take dominion and that out of that dominion, we would take heaven and pound it into earth. You cannot, take, you cannot get heaven to come into earth, which is an active job, which is a dominion job. I'm not allowed to just take my motorcycle and park it in your living room <clears throat> because I don't have authority in your living room. I don't have, matter of fact, I don't even have it in my own living room now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> the problem is, is that we cannot be agents that take heaven and bring it to earth if we don't think we can do anything about earth. We're limited so that the world has taught us, our world of science, math, and logic have taught us that we are slaves of this natural world. All, my biggest hope to be productive or to be accomplish anything is to learn how to, how to beat the world into a particular mold for a season until I let go of it. It's like the dandelions in my front yard. As long as I am actively at war with them, I win. As soon as I stop being at war and I rest, what happens? Where, does anybody know where they come from, those things? The neighbors. The neighbors. They fly, they fly in invisibly, stealthy little things. Okay, we have to stay on our notes. Okay. You see, but this is where, this is where the awesome opportunity of the kingdom and the people who understand the things of the kingdom come in. Because some people can just pretend that they are stepping outside the lines of reality. So it'll also be fun for a moment. Maybe a few drugs will help. We get to be able to do that in a aggressive, real, I know this is true way. That's going to transform the ability of the people of the kingdom <clears throat> if we can ever get this one simple, easy step. Then what happens is there is no longer any boundaries to us because we actually believe that the spiritual realm is bigger than the natural realm. We actually believe that there is one. The people who are, most of the people who are in the science, math, and logic world do not believe that. Now it's changing rapidly in our world today because of new discoveries, but we have to understand that the kingdom needs to get ahead of this curve. This is our curve. And we're playing religion and we're playing all of these other things, realizing and falling way behind what the world is already beginning to discover. And that is how a soul of a human being can be transformed. And once it's transformed, it transforms the world around it. Now, you think they're, they're all going to use that altruistically and for the better of mankind is what I would think you're thinking right now just like nuclear energy. They've really done a great job of <clears throat> making bombs and not reactors because they don't use things properly. The kingdom has got to step in here. Okay, so there we are. There are but there are no limitations, as Pastor Tina was saying during the offering, there's no limitations in the spiritual realm. The Bible says all things are possible with God. That's, for, that's in, in, in Mark 10. 
with God, Jesus says, all things are possible. <clears throat> so we know nothing's impossible, right there. Yes. And then it says in, in Luke, uh, Mark chapter 10, all things are possible to him who believes, and particularly him who believes God. When you believe truth, then you are empowered to do the impossible. You're gonna believe a whole bunch of lies, then you're absolutely not. So it's what he's referring to here isn't just the action of believing, he's talking about the action of believing those things that God said. And when we do that, all things, sorry, Say that with me, just for a moment. I know you're not gonna believe it yet, but all things, all things, all things, all things. All things, all, all, all of the things that are things are all possible. She can just zoom by that for the 700th time. You gotta stop this, all things. Now that, you know, let, me, let me give you a caveat there because you probably want to go way to the extreme. And so if I believe that I'm a cat, does that make me a cat? <laughs> that depends if it's in your destiny to become a cat because God has made everything that matters to you, which is your destiny. You know, we want to say to our children in this world, you can do anything. No, they can't. See, I was born, I've told you this before, but one of my eyes doesn't work as strong as the other one of my eyes. My right eye is not as strong. And so when I look at you, even though if I'm looking at Donnie right there, now even if you'd think I'm looking at him through my right eye, I'm not. I'm looking across my nose to look at him in my left eye because my brain knows my left eye stronger. Mm. That's a cool thing, right? Except I don't have as much depth perception as most of you because I don't use my second eye as strongly. So if you throw a ball to me, chances are I'm going <laughs> to... So what I do is I put my body in front of the ball and let it hit me so that I make sure I catch it and don't look like a knucklehead. I've learned that because of the way my eyes work. Or I could do the therapy and get my other eye to work better. I can teach my brain to use the right eye, but can't be bothered. And it would remove the whole story, so. <laughs> what does that mean? What that means is I'm, I'm, I'm great at free, uh, free throws. If you give me a couple of them, I'll bounce the ball, shoot a couple of them, I get the distance and I know how to do it and I can hit them pretty good after that. But if you put somebody between me and the net, I can't do it anymore. So I'm no good at layups. What that means is I wasn't made to play professional basketball. So in fact, I can't, do any, I can't do everything. That doesn't really matter because I don't want to play professional basketball. What I want to do is the things that I'm doing right now. And so when we have the impossible, you, you don't need to care about the extremes of what is possible. All you have to care about are the impossibles that are standing as limitations between you and your destiny. All of those impossibles are absolutely possible, completely inevitable, and in the mind of God, already accomplished. That's what those are. The issue, the reality that you're facing right now is understanding how do I remove those limitations that right now, when I do my hoping, which is what we're really talking about here, right? We're going from, we've gone from stillness, which is getting rid of the negative emotion, then becoming nowful so that we realize everything is okay right now. Now I'm stepping into being a hopeful that as I begin to take the pictures of my mind and expect my future, I'm only allowed to expect my future as long as I stay hopeful. 
Other than that, I'm wasting my time and actually becoming my own enemy, starting the fires that I'll need to fight later. <clears throat> that being the case, if my whole world in the future is being determined by my hope for that future today, how do I transform the hope that I have today so that I'm actually building the world that I want in my tomorrows? It's not as easy as it looks. If you've tried any of this, you know that when you try to imagine too far into your future, you come up with all kinds of roadblocks, all kinds of problems. If your life just goes 10 times what it is today, you got financial problems, people problems, skill problems, contact problems, world problems, government problems, money problems, life problems, energy problems, you got them all. And so what do we do? We sort of, well, no, let's just worry about today. And that's what our world has become. And so then we are leaving the creation of our world for tomorrow into the hands of those people who are willing to take hold of their hope and build something that they want. And we just become their servants. Instead of God being able to use us to become the masters of our own world, and then as we've learned to be masters of our own world, then the heart that God put in you, the desire God put in you, the destiny God put in you, now has the ability to start coming forth in your tomorrows. All because of the limitations that have been created in my own ability to expect tomorrow to be different than yesterday. Simple. Simple. And so we have to learn then from Abraham, how do we get beyond the limitation? He saw this natural limitation, space, time, and matter was creating natural limitations from, for him because he thought space, time, and matter had dominion over him. He thought space was limited. He thought matter, things were limited. He thought time was limited. He was wrong. But that limitation that he perceived, because we live as little tiny little nothings in the middle of a vast universe, we think there's no possible way that little old me can affect this big huge universe. And so we feel like we are subject to it. We feel like time has, is the ultimate master in our lives. That's how Abraham felt. Until he realized that if he could break free of that bondage in his own mind, that he could experience something in his life at 100 that used to only be there when he was 18. And all of a sudden, he has a baby. You see, what happens is we learn how to take dominion over. Paul then, in Romans chapter 4, gives us an account of how he did it. But you see, what happens to us is we become bound by the emotional experiences of our past. <clears throat> now you have to remember that word because it's gonna sound for a long time as though I'm saying that emotions are bad. They are not bad. There are bad ones. When we have negative emotion that goes on in our lives, those things become problematic as we start to figure out things out when we have to change them later in the day. Our ability as human beings that differs us from all other creation is that we have the ability to pay attention to the things that we're paying attention to. Dogs can think. Fish can think. They know it's me coming at 
you know, in between when I pour the coffee into the, into the French press and when I pour it into my face, in between that time right there, they know I'm coming. And they're all waiting at one end of the pond because they know God's coming, right? Provision's coming. And from heaven is about to drop into the pond. They're thinking. All creatures, living creatures, have some kind of thought process. The problem is they don't know they're thinking. They can't pay attention to what they're paying attention to. They're just paying attention to something. What human beings can do, it is the gift God gave it to a human being, and that is that you can think about what you're thinking about. You can focus on what you're thinking about, and you can change. If you, can think, if you know you're thinking about something, you can change what you're thinking about and think about something else. That simple ability is the ability to hope against hope. This magical thing that Abraham did that took him out of the bondage of yesterday and set him free into the world that God was telling him is his tomorrows, the ability to hope against hope was the ignition switch. It was the transferring switch on the inside of him that empowered him to see something in tomorrow that he has never experienced in his yesterdays. When he can see it in tomorrow, creation is starting to lean towards his expectancy and it wasn't long before all of a sudden he was changing diapers. It wasn't long before the woman with the issue of blood was going home healed. It wasn't long before Peter's taxes, or it wasn't long before 20,000 people had to fillet a fish for lunch. It wasn't long before Jesus walked on the water. All of these things are all happening because he had the ability to do something, see something in his present reality, in his mind, that he had never seen in his yesterdays. In the New Testament world, we're talking about that ability, seizing hold of the ability to pay attention to what you're paying attention to, to to understand as you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about your day, what's going to go wrong for you today? What's not going to work? What's causing you to to be depressed? What's causing you to be hopeless? What's causing you to be angry? What's causing you to be insecure? What's causing you to be fearful? What's causing you to be lack-filled? What's causing you to be depressed? What's causing you to be insecure? What's causing you to be jealous? All those, you can find those things. Don't beat yourself over the head with them. Ask the person next to you, ever ever felt any of those things? You felt all those things. It's common to everybody. What we have to be able to do then, now that we can pay attention to what we're paying attention to, we can think about what we're thinking about, we can find why am I thinking that? And once I discover why am I thinking it, I found a limitation. I found a block that is preventing me from having the destiny that I want. That's not because God's going to shoot you with a a thunderbolt. It's not going to cost you your eternity. Jesus paid for all your sin. Get rid of all of that, that stuff. And realize God's showing it to you. God's revealing it to you. Holy Spirit is bringing it to you because he's got the answer for you to get that stuff right out of your life so that it's never, ever, ever going to be part of your future. It's quite simple. All we have to do is begin to discover what those limitations are. And they're easy to find if we'll admit to them and we'll begin to, fo- begin to focus on them. If you begin to now, out of that moment, right? We talked stillness. Emotional crisis has happened. Bring it down to a stillness. Get into now so that I'm totally fine now. I'm really good. It's me and you, God. You're always with me. Never leave me. 
and then I start my process of being to, to extend my expectancy of what tomorrow, what the next second is going to be like, what the next minute, what the next hour, what the next day, what the next month. And I'm looking at those things to see, am I making any progress towards the world that I'm looking to see? Am I able to see things getting better? Or is it just some imaginary mirage in there? Yeah, blessed and highly favored. No, do you have something that you can see changing? And it's like not, it's real. If I talk you through, uh, well, some of you have been in my house, but uh, okay, I'm gonna use it anyways, just you'll get the idea. So if I talk you through going into my front door and around the stairs and into the kitchen and grab the little, I got cashew silk cream now that I've given up dairy, supposedly given it up for the 900th time. And I'm in my fridge and I lift going in the, in the shelf, in the, in the closet door and I pull out the little French press and I go into the freezer, grab the coffee grounds, put them in there. I turn around, get the, get the, get the uh, kettle. I, I, I turn the kettle on. I pour it in the French press, go into the cupboard, grab my, my little white mug that I've used for a billion years now and I put it on the counter, grab my, sh- see, I, I can see all that. I can see it in vivid detail. I know what the texture of the cup feels like. You don't. You're going, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get the general idea. That's the difference. I know the story. You're just imagining it. It's just not, it's not real to you. When you can imagine your future like you have already been there, like you are already experiencing it, like it is absolutely real, you're getting really close to experiencing it. As long as it is just some mirage, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm a millionaire. Yep, totally. Yep, millionaire. Yep. It's not real. We say that it's why we have to get used to this. I got to get it so that I am so abundant on the inside that when I look at my future, financial limitations is just never part of the equation. How many of you ever wondered whether you'll have enough oxygen when you get to your future? Maybe some of you greenies do, but the, most people have never worried about whether there will be oxygen. You know you need oxygen a lot more than you need money? but you've never worried about it. Your your, your future is never limited by whether you'll have enough oxygen when you get there. That should tell you you've just been trained in your limitations, not even logical limitations. And so when you're getting rid of them, you realize this is just a mirage. Somebody just taught me this. But what they taught me or what I learned, I shouldn't say they because that's externalizing the problem. What you learned is 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 the only problem between you and your destiny. All these emotions that I talked about earlier, fear and insecurity and all of that stuff, you know, lack and all that, those are creating imbalances in your life. When you have negative emotions, what you are doing is you are creating stress in your life. Stress is the biggest problem the world has right now. And when we have an imbalance, by all of these negative emotions, hopelessness and fear and insecurity and all of the gone on and on and on, on they go, when I create an imbalance in my life, that imbalance is setting off a hormonal response. That hormonal response is eventually going to create disease in my life. So you go negative emotions, hormonal response to the negative emotion, which is negative, Disease, fine, after a while, you let that stuff sing around for a while, that stuff is going to open the door for disease to hit your body. Watch this. Positive emotions, hope, faith, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, self-control. Positive emotions also have a hormonal response. 
But those hormonal responses are good. And those hormonal responses lead to life. And so you live longer and better and stronger and healthier and all of those type of things simply because you dealt with the fact that you had these negative emotions going on in your life. Can I tell you what people do in our culture? This is insidious in our culture because we're a, a chatty culture. We're a, I shouldn't, can I use the word? Can I use FB culture, right? We love talking about all of our emotions. Can I tell you what happens? This is a cycle. This is future notes, but hey, it's free. You paid your tithe already. So <laughs> when you have a negative, emo- when you have an emotion, an emotion should last one to three minutes. Particularly if it's negative. If it's positive, just keep rehearsing it and it'll keep going. But if it's a negative emotion, it should last no more than one to three minutes. Get your mojo back, suck it up, breathe, run around the house, over. How many of you know, how many of you have ever had a, a negative emotion last more than three minutes? Anybody in here? Anybody in here? Anybody in here? Do you know what you call uh, a negative emotion that lasts more than one to three minutes? You call it a mood. How many of you said that? You say, I'm, what's up with you? I said, I'm, I'm having a mood. Are you now? Are you, now you're choosing that. You know how you're choosing it? You're choosing, watch this, to rehearse what happened in the one to three minutes. Oh, honey, you know what Paul did to me? This is what Paul did to me. When did he do it? Like three hours ago. Three hours ago. You st- you're still thinking about that? What's the answer, bro? Get over it. What do you call a mood that lasts for, for days or months? This is like, this lasts for hours or days. It's not a word. We're going to go with, we're gonna go with the more scientific words. It's not funk, okay? So... It's a temperament. This is what you're like, because this thing is now lasting for weeks or months. Yeah, you know, my, you know, my mother, back when I was a kid, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. What do you mean back when you were a kid? <laughs> it's become a temperament. You're just a whiner. You know what a temperament is once it becomes an identity? It becomes a personality trait. Now watch what I said to you earlier. I told you that negative emotions equal hormonal response equal disease. If you take a negative emotion that lasts more than one to three minutes, you're poisoning yourself. And then you start rehearsing it. Can I tell you something? Did you know that 50% of your memories of the past are incorrect? Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. 50% of the memories you have of your past are incorrect. You have embellished them. Can I tell you what else? Can you tell I'm studying a little bit on memory right now? Can I tell you what else? 
your recollection of the past is based on the last time you recounted it, not the time you experienced it. Okay, this is, this is super important. 50% of what you remember about your past is an embellishment. Because your memory of that last event is based more on your most recent recollection of that event than it was on the event itself. Can I tell you why that happens? Yes, I can, because I own the time in this building. How many of you ever noticed that when you have a boring event, it lives long and remembers short? When you have an exciting event going on in your life, it lives, it lives fast, but remembers slow. Okay, do you understand that? When you have something exciting going on in your life, it goes by very, very quickly, no, very, 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 very quickly, but when you think about it afterwards, you have all kinds of memory points in the middle of that experience that you think of, you have so much to remember about it and you remember it, so it seems to go very long. When you're in church, when you're at, in a place where it's very boring and your brain is going to sleep, you don't have a lot of memory points. So it seems like it's dragging on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But when you remember it later, you don't have very many memory points in it. So it seems to go from beep, 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 and it's over. That's how your memory works. Why? Because you don't consciously remember everything. You only remember the highlights. That means when you come to recount it later, you don't remember it all because you didn't, you only remembered the high points. So what you do is you add in a whole bunch of the joining pieces because I think this is probably what happened. And then you say it and then your brain thinks, oh, that's what happened. And you have another memory point, which didn't actually exist, but you think it did. Wow. Ah, that's a liar's <laughs> <laughs> Remember, remember. The, your hope, natural hope, is taking your memories of your past and producing them in your future. That's what real hope, that's what natural people do. But 50% but of the past that they think they experienced, they didn't even experience. It's a lie. They made it up. No, no, they're not consciously lying. They don't, they're just filling in the blanks but then they keep moving forward in their filling in the blanks. Now, you know, in our culture, now watch how insidious this is in our culture. We are a negative dialogue uh, uh, culture. You know, how's your day going? Uh, you know, same crap, different day. We just say everything negative. And we love to talk more about the negative things that are going on because we're so jealous of each other. We don't want to hear what the other person is going through positively. We just want to know what's going on bad in your life. And so we're really interested in what's going on bad. In fact, we make, we make online presences out of this stuff. What's happening? We have a small negative experience which we tell to a million people a thousand times. 
What's happening to that small negative experience? It's doing what? It's growing. You're adding in a whole bunch of cool details because it's not no fun to tell the story exactly the same as I told it last time. I need to make the fish, it was a seven pound fish. By the time I'm finished telling the story, sucker was 150 pounds. It didn't go from seven to 150. It incrementally grew as I kept telling the story. I'm deceiving myself in this process. It's a natural human process. If you leave it there after one to three minutes and make the big mistake of talking about it, you're not just keeping it and turning it into a mood, you're making it worse. You think you hate your mom when you're 18? Try telling a story all the way till you're 60. That's what happens. That's what happens between starting to tell the story when you're 11 and finally realize that your mom isn't God and then you start rehearsing that stuff. By the time you're 18, you hate her. Mom didn't change. It was a mood. Do you see what's happening? What God is trying to get us to in all of this equation is life worth living. He's trying to get us into the place where we understand those moods, those emotions that we're feeling are only the residual of the experiences of our past. And because we're only focused on the negative experience, the highlights of my life have all been the pain and the hurts and the embarrassments and the humiliation. It's been the betrayals. It's been the abandonments. It's been all of those things that are my highlights of my past because of the way our culture works, focusing on the negative and embellishing the negative. And so because of that, we become these people who are bound into a negative expectation of my future because that's only highlights of my life. You gotta go and look at them again and say, Holy Spirit, let me ask you something. This is what I think was going on in that experience when I was four and of course completely mentally able to encapsulate all that was going on in my life at the time. Perhaps you could enlighten me to what else might have been going on, what the real situation was. I used to think one plus one equals two, does it? Show me an example in my life of when one plus one equaled 74. Show me when it equaled a gorilla. He could do all that. And he'll show you how powerful a person you have always been in your life. And you can begin to focus on the positive high experiences of your life. The places where the blessing of God was operating in your life. Where people were blessing you, when the creation was blessing you when all God was blessing you, where the blessing was in fact overtaking you, the problem was you took credit for everything that was going good and you blamed someone else for everything that was going wrong. Because we are naturally doing this in all of our soul activity, when it comes time to stand in this place, in this season of God, where he's trying to give you back power over your own soul, which by the way, has power over your own world, all of a sudden there are these bondages and cages, there's wires and traps and chains all around us because of the way our world operates. We've been sucker punched into this. We've been snapping at worms with hooks in them all our lives. And now the moment is, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. 
think about what you're thinking about don't treat that thing as though it's right don't treat that thing as though it's it's the right perspective you take it back is it creating a mood is it creating a negative emotion am I feeling any stress how's the insecurity how's the fear how's the how's the lack how's the depression how's the jealousy you know big the big uh, can't call them three sisters anymore that's now gender specific as you know jealousy envy covetousness we don't talk much about those things but mm, mm, mm. put your hand over your heart say Jesus I'm here to get set free I'm here to figure out how to get rid of all the limitations between me and my destiny I know my destiny is as real as my now is God's looking at it completely finished so I know nothing in my destiny is impossible for me so Holy Spirit I know your job is to guide me into the truth the truth is there are no limitations your job is to show me things to come to reveal my future in such a way that I believe it's just as real as my present Holy Spirit I release you bring understanding to me release my mind to see the devices of bondage limitation and impossible so that I can learn how to step over them easily in Jesus name